Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. do you wear jeans? Just on Sundays and hungover days? Or more often than not? Looking around the studio today, all four of us are wearing jeans, paired with a lurex knit, a roll neck, a silk dress and a ruffled blouse, proving they really do go with everything. A little later on, we'll be discussing the latest denim tech that's promising a perfect fit. I'm Charlie Gowans Eglinton and this is Fashion Unzipped. With me today are Bethan Holt. Hello. Caroline Leeper. Hi. And Chrissy Turner. Hello. This week, the fashion rumour mill has been abuzz with rumours that Anna Winter, editor-in-chief of American Vogue, may be planning to resign from her post after 30 years. Having been the focus of documentaries, books, even a film, picture Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada, Winter has become a celebrity in her own right. When the Queen made a surprise appearance at London Fashion Week, Day Manor was on her left-hand side on the front row. Caroline, is there any truth to these rumours? Well, you could believe it, couldn't you? I mean, she's 68 now. Uh, not to say that there's no, re- there's no reason she can't carry on working way into her 70s. She might want to do that. But, I mean, there's a lot going on for her. She's got her daughter's getting married. She's got a lot of family priorities and things. She's got a lot of projects going on as well with kind of the Met Museum um, and that sort of thing. So you can see how she might be starting to think about life beyond Vogue. Or does the fashion industry just want something to happen? And, you know, she's the kind of the queen bee of the fashion world, isn't she? So are people trying to kind of catalyse something? We, are we pushing her out? <laughs> well, it doesn't get more exciting than that job, does it? Rumoured two million a year. And then I'm imagining numerous packs. There's got to be a pretty killer wardrobe that goes with that job. So, oh, well, sure. we, well, we know Anna has her <laughs> own personal hotline to Manolo, don't we? And... An endless supply of Prada dresses. But undoubtedly, she has had an incredible impact on the fashion industry. I think um, I always kind of love that idea of, of an editor's first cover and what it says about them. And now if you look back, funny, you were just talking about jeans, actually, Charlie. You look back at Anna Wintour's first cover of American Vogue and, you know, it was a very kind of fresh faced, carefree model wearing a, a kind of a couture corset and jeans and at the time that was like wow oh my gosh now of course you know wearing jeans is kind of par for the course although you probably would still comment a little bit if there was a pair of jeans on the cover of Vogue. She's Um, covered a lot of fashion ground hasn't she and and paved the way for a lot of the editors that would come after her 
Um, and Vogue now has, I think it's 23 international titles. You know, it's this incredible uh, statement-making brand within fashion across the world. And she's kind of at the top of all of it. So it would be a huge shift if she were to leave. It definitely would. And I think a lot of people are talking about, you know, how much the magazine industry in particular is really changing now. And, um, you know, you, you kind of even hear at the moment about how sometimes magazine covers are not necessarily created anymore to sell at the newsstand, but to kind of go crazy on social media, which would have just kind of been implausible when Anna Wintour started American Vogue. So... I mean, if she, if she does end up leaving, I think it's just going to be a seismic shift. I really what, do. What about rumours that she's moving back to Britain? Because she is Hampstead-born, Anna Wintour, for any of you that that don't know. Um, as much as she's <laughs> running kind of fashion in New York, she might move home. Yeah, well, she'd need a whole new wardrobe if she's planning to kind of romp around on Hampstead Heath <laughs> in her <laughs> retirement. But I can't imagine it. I mean, I'm sure she'll just become a total... I mean, she's not going to sit at home in her slippers, you know, kind of doting over grandchildren or anything. I imagine that she'll be, you know, power playing to the extreme still, but just in a different way. I mean, like Caroline said, she's very involved in the Met Museum. And if you look at Alexandra Shulman, who obviously stepped down from her post as editor of British Vogue for a really similar sort of tenure... Um, last year she's also gone on to be absolutely killing it as a solo artist if you will um she's you know <laughs> she she's got her novels she's doing so much public speaking there's a huge demand for these people as figures and as authorities and you know she writes some stuff for us does she not um she so uh, yeah there's there's plenty of things that anna can be doing i would love Vogue. i would love to read anna wintour the autobiography Oh. The truth. <laughs> <laughs> what it was really like. Yeah. Um, but coming back to what Bethan said about how the magazine industry has changed, I do think her Vogue is still relevant. She has, even if it's not necessarily her that's propelling the changes, she's always surrounded herself with people who are at the cutting edge of what's going on. And that Vogue has translated and moved with the times. They were the first, I think, to do insta models as an issue and as it you know they have propelled it forward and she's taken on new platforms um you know the vogue american vogue instagram the american vogue website video channel that's all kind of come under her as well so she's kept moving i think as well though fashion has it hasn't had a brilliant time recently in lots of ways you know we've had photographers like Mario Testino, like Patrick de Marchelier, become obviously embroiled in these these accusations about sexual harassment and obviously Harvey Weinstein. Anna Wintour was very close to him and, you know, she used to sit front row at, at Marquesa shows. Um, that's Harvey Weinstein's wife's brand. So in a way, there's a sense that maybe we need a bit of a fresh, a fresh moment. And the fight for that successor, my God. I mean, can you even imagine? It is it is surely still the most desirable. I mean, even, even if Anna hasn't said a date to leave, I'm sure the machinations are in place. You know, people are putting themselves in the picture. We'll see. We'll and see. if she's the Pope, will there be white smoke when they decide <laughs> the successor? Surely, right? 
Elsewhere in fashion, when Vetmont launched in 2014, you would have been forgiven for thinking that their uber-cool, uber-expensive streetwear would be worn only by wealthy club kids and socialites. But you'd be wrong. Fast forward a few years and designer Demna Vesalia was setting the fashion agenda. Not only did his £900 jeans and £300 DHL t-shirts sell out, they spawned countless copies up and down the high street and won the designer the creative directorship at French fashion house Balenciaga. But news this week is that Vetmont sales are down, that clothes are languishing on the sales rack. Uh, Bethan, has the Vetmont bubble burst? Wow, did we ever think we would see it happen? But according to um, an article on on high snobiety, apparently so, um, a buyer from an Asian retailer said, we started stocking the brand from their early days and the sell-through rate has been 100% throughout the last few seasons. But if you compare the amount we've spent on the brand for spring, summer 17 and the recent full winter 17 season, we've decreased the order by around 70%. Um, and I also heard that a big London department store has uh, stopped its Vetamon buy altogether. So perhaps it has. And I have to say, I mean, we have discussed this before on the Fashion Unzipped podcast, um, that Vetamon kind of, you know, there's this sort of aura of coolness about it to such an extent that, A, can that coolness ever last? Because I just think that formula, how can it ever kind of go on? Um but I don't know, maybe I'm being an old fogey. Chrissy, what do you think as a, a young, cool kid? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I quite loved it when it first came out. I mean, I really wanted the green hoodie. I wanted the tracksuit bottoms. I did want the £900 jeans. Obviously, didn't get them. But I'm not shocked that it's kind of died down a bit because it is very pricey. And it's like, I feel like they're trying to appeal to someone like me who does wear um, logo T-shirts and oversized blazers and jeans most of the time, but just wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to afford it. So I'm not too sure. I'm not shocked, I guess. We should say that Demna has come out, you know, with a post on his Instagram uh, saying that Vetmont does not support wannabe journalism based on lies and gossip. Today, my team at Vetmont is the strongest it has ever been. But I do think there's an interesting point about new labels and there's almost this axis, isn't there, of hype on one side, longevity on the other. And if a brand registers with hype really high uh, straight away, then the longevity thing is very often very short-lived. Whereas if they do it at a different rate, then they might last the distance. So, And Vetmont was a brand that experienced that extreme hype very, very quickly got all these, you know, stockists, all these very, very quickly due to the fact that everyone was wearing it, everyone wanted it. And as Bethan says, how long can that last? Can it last? I remember, I think, Matches did that event, didn't they, in, in South Korea with, with Vetmon. It was like a garage sale. And, you know, it was there were just these pictures of queues of people. You know, it's just like this fervent, you didn't play any like Harry Potter book had come out or something, you know, that's what it reminded me of. And how long can that go? And I guess as well, Demna has been working hard on Balenciaga, which is, you know, proving to be hugely influential and, and successful. And actually, I was looking at, at the, both those brands on Netaporto this morning, and you flip between the two pages, and sometimes you can't see that much difference. So perhaps that's kind of getting it, I don't know. I think the the difference is possibly legacy. So whereas, you know, we saw a brand like Gucci, um, when they got their new creative director, Alessandro Michele, it suddenly kind of hit this cult status. He was designing all these accessories, especially that were just selling out, you know, 
the backless loafers. But Gucci have been around since 1921. So even when that kind of hype maybe fades, you've still got that that consumer trust in this designer brand. Balenciaga has been around since 1919. So, you know, even if you're not coming for Demna, you might just be coming because you recognise the name and you love Balenciaga and you remember those images from the 1950s that are so iconic today. I do think his work there is a bit different as well. I do think he's playing on the house's history, the silhouette, the signature and giving it that that twist. So I, I, I can see how, yeah, like you say, if you walked into Balenciaga and you didn't know who Debna was and you weren't interested in any of that, you would still find something that you felt was Balenciaga-y. At the much more affordable end of the spectrum this week, Amazon launched an own brand occasion wear label, Truth and Fable. It comes hot on the heels of their lingerie brand, Iris and Lily, and everyday fashion label, Find. So now when you're online ordering yet another USB cable, or bulk buying loo roll in case you get snowed in again, you can buy an embroidered floral dress for that summer wedding at the same time. And it will arrive in the same corrugated cardboard package. Chrissy, you cover all things high street in your Girl on a Budget column. What do you make of Amazon's latest offering? So I quite love it. I'm a big fan of Find. I've tried the shirts, which I think are great. They have really good trench coats for the prices. Um, I haven't yet tried anything from Truth and Fable, but it's very much a good time for it to launch, I guess. It's all like pretty feminine dresses when everyone's getting ready for Ascot and weddings. But yeah, I am a big fan of online shopping. You know, maybe if you're buying a T-shirt, I can see how you might add that to basket alongside, you know, your washing detergent or whatever else you're buying on Amazon. We buy so many things online every day now. But do you think there's an appeal to kind of buy something special? Like some of these embroidered dresses, and I, and I felt them, the quality's great, but they're £135 for the kind of top end of this new label. Would you balk at putting that in your shopping basket? I mean, I probably would, but I mean, I do the same on ASOS. So like I order most of my wedding guest outfits are from ASOS probably. And it's the same situation. Like I can't try them on in real life, but I'm happy to order them, try them at home, and then I can send them back if needed. And it's no different really, I guess, to Amazon. I mean, I don't know how I feel about a really nice embroidered dress coming in a little cardboard corrugated box as a book would. But I mean, that doesn't change things for me, I don't think. I think that's an interesting point about the occasion wear market, because when you do buy something that you perceive to be for a special occasion, sometimes you do want it to have like a bit of a special experience along with buying it. So it is like, it is that thing, isn't it? Like, would you rather, if it did come in the in the cardboard, you know, packet, would that take away from the experience of it? Would you think this was just a quick buy, like a quick grab? I don't know. I kind of think if you're shopping on Amazon, that's less of a concern. I mean, even on ASOS, I mean, everything kind of comes in like lots of plastic packaging. It's not exactly, and you kind of get stuffed loads of leaflets in there and everything. So ultimately, if it's a gorgeous dress, it's a gorgeous dress. I think we kind of maybe don't care too much, but if you were wanting something truly special and that experience, yeah, you need to kind of go elsewhere, perhaps. The, the thing I find weird about it, though, I was looking is the pictures are, are quite small and just that like level of inspiration, I'm not quite sure is, is quite there for me. What do you think, Charlie? Well, I interviewed Frances Russell um, for the paper this week and she's the VP of private brands at Amazon. And so these are her babies, these special brands. And she is in a bit of a predicament because 
Amazon's scale is their strength. You know, they've got so many consumers while kind of shops on the high street are shutting their doors because they can't get people through, you know, they're not getting the footfall. Amazon have thousands and th- probably millions of people every day, you know, online buying something, buying batteries or, you know, whatever basic need right through to, you know, thousands of pound pieces of tech. But it's kind of trying to lure those people through to fashion and then make that feel like a kind of boutique experience. Because normally when a new brand launches, you know, say like when Kitri launched, and it's such a small scale that they can really control that and make it feel like a boutique experience and, you know, set the tone. And the website is this beautiful kind of landing page. Amazon, you land on the Amazon landing page. Of course you do. So you can see for for them how it's a kind of struggle between trying to harness that scale and all those consumers that are on the site, but also trying to make the fashion feel special and trying to get people to notice that actually these are beautiful pieces, that they've really thought about the design, that actually once you try them on, you might love them. I've just remembered actually my little cousin, well, not so little anymore, um, I think it was last year or maybe a few years ago now, she bought her prom dress on Amazon and she looked incredible. So, you know, maybe when you're a teenager and you're just, you know, completely used to spending your life on Amazon buying whatever, then it comes completely naturally to you that you would buy an important dress on there as well. But maybe for those of us who are still a little bit more stuck in our ways. (laughs) Me. (laughs) You can read more on these and other stories in the paper and at telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion. And email us. We'd love to know what you think about the podcast and what you'd like to hear more about. We're on unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. It helps more people to find Fashion Unzipped. And so to that trickiest to shop for of wardrobe staples, jeans. The topic of what makes a good pair can completely divide the Telegraph's fashion team like nothing else. Um, Caroline, you tried on some new high-tech denim this week. Did it meet expectations? Um, I don't think I don't think shopping for denim just divides our team. I think it divides everyone. I think it is something that no two people really love the same jeans on themselves. I can't pinpoint why. <laughs> There's just no formula to it. But the jeans that we've been trying on this week for the for the paper on Wednesday, and you can read the feature online now as well. Um, each designer brand that we featured in in the feature has claims that they have developed a science to find the perfect jeans. So the ones I personally tried on were Lee and they were the new optics selection. So what they promise is that they have kind of developed, I guess, a a shading technology Mm. where different shades of, of your dye will beam light around you in the most flattering route possible. I tried on the black jeans, which made it very hard to see this ac- this in action. <laughs> if you can imagine, it was like a hundred shades of black uh, beaming from one to the other. But what I did also try on were um, a selection that had like a laser grid print on them. And in this case, I guess they definitely looked more techy, but perhaps a bit too Matrix for mm. real life. Mm. So is the idea like contouring for your legs? Basically, yeah. yeah. Shadows to make, you know, shadows, yeah, exactly fade into the background that you want to fade into the background. That's exactly it. So, those are the ones I tried on. Chrissy, you had 
something else. Yes, I had MIH jeans, cult jeans, I think they're called. Mm-hmm. And they supposedly have a perfect sweet spot rise, which is 10 inches, a 10 inch front rise. So and what's that between? Explain to us, Chrissy. So it's, I don't know how to say this in a nice <laughs> way, but it's essentially the crotch. <laughs> so a nice way of saying this. <laughs> The crotch is your Sorry. word. The crotch is my word. Okay. Say it how it is, Chris. Yeah, it's from the end of the zip, that's a good way of saying it, up to the top of the button, and that is 10 inches, which is supposedly the sweet spot for everyone. I'm wearing mine now. You can let me know what you think. And I'm wearing them under. Where do, where do they come up on you, Chrissy? Just roughly. to like about a centimetre below my belly button. Okay. Which is perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing them under a silk dress now, and there's no like, you know, you get that bulky... Maybe just me after breakfast. That no. bulk underneath, like where the zip is, there isn't that, which I quite like. Um, they come up perfectly. I can tuck things into them and they don't bulge. I can wear things loosely over the top. I quite like them. I'm into mine. I love MIH's jeans. I would like to be a kind of an advocate for them. <laughs> I have several pairs and they all always just have a great fit. But I think it's quite, a, like you were saying, it's a very personal thing. You kind of find a brand or you find a a version that works well for you don't you well I tried MAH's cult jeans and I'm not a fan but I'm wearing a different pair of MAH jeans today that I have in three washes because they're my favorite jeans so it's so that's what I'm saying it's different something different for everyone no two people love the same (laughs) and after hearing Charlie's recommendations for your one I actually tried those on and I they don't suit me and I was yeah the ones you're wearing are they called Lou? Yes. Yeah, I tried them on based on your recommendation and they're just not for me, but I love these ones. It's really weird. So what's so, everyone wearing around the table? So I have on Levi's beautifully named wedgie jeans, mm-hmm. which are supposed to make your bum look great. <laughs> I can't vouch for that, but they're really comfy. Um, it's that, that rise for me. Yeah, I think that's very important, like coming right up to the waist. I think that's nice and flattering. And a good crop as well, just slightly above the ankle bone works well for me. Like to have, you know, have a little bit of flesh on show. Yeah, they're they're a slightly stiffer vintage kind of jean, aren't they? They are. It's quite Princess Diana, which is very up Bethan Street, if you didn't know. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> my, my go-to style <laughs> me. It's funny, as much as, you know, you look in the shops and you see floral dresses and you see all these trends. I spoke to Topshop recently and their best-selling piece in London and in Paris is the same pair of black skinny jeans and to kind of think that you know as much as we all embrace all these different fashion trends and it's you know no jeans are out and we're all wearing this that or the other people are still buying them I've just spent the last week well where was I I was in I was in Preston for a few days and then I was in the Lake District so totally out of my normal London bubble and pretty much every girl I saw who wasn't wearing like leggings or walking trousers because I was in the Lake District was wearing skinny jeans you know and I think people really rely on them and I'm not sure we're ever gonna see a new style that's going to be so kind of such a go-to as a skinny jean. I hate to say it but I still also do wear skinny jeans loads myself I love them I think that they are a really like not not super skinny not you know too too not tight leggingy. not leggingy on. exactly <laughs> very good point not not jeggings but slim jeans I think are one of the most flattering things for me personally so I I would be very reluctant to let them go I do wear um you know flares as well but in a different way I'd style it differently with a heel but if I'm just wearing trainers that's my go-to 
You can read more in Emily Cronin's piece now at telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion. And don't forget that we gather all the stories that we discuss on the podcast each week into a news story on the site if you want to go further down the rabbit hole. And of course, you can email us on unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. We would love to know your favourite genes if we've missed any out. We're nearly out of time, but before we go, Bethan, what's something you're excited about this week? Um, Well, obviously, I'm excited about the sunshine. That's a given. Um, But I'm also excited on uh, Saturday night, I'm going to see Sarah Pascoe, um, comedian, do a set and I've listened to a few podcasts with her on recently and I just think she's I think she's great so I'm very excited to go and I never really go and watch comedy I have to say so it's going to be a very different experience for me that's going to be my Saturday night I don't know what you wear to a comedy gig any sp- tips mm, my only tip would be don't sit in the front row yeah unless you want to be heckled yes jeans so. jeans yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good point Caroline <laughs> Caroline, what are you excited about? I feel like every time I come on this podcast, I say something different about my wedding. <laughs> but We'd this, love to know, Caroline. <laughs> but this weekend, I'm choosing my shoes. So that's exciting to me. <laughs> so you've already got the dress. I have the dress. Top secret, of course, just Ob- in case Caroline's obviously, listening. It's all under embargo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's time to choose my shoes. And are you going classic white satin? Are you doing a heel? Are you doing a pop of colour? Um, well, I've got my eye on a few, but I want to try on a few different pairs. Um, so I think I've definitely chosen I want to go to Jimmy Choo because they just seem to have such a great... They have, I mean, they do this I do in chew section in their store. I mean, what's not to love about that? Um, so I think I've got my eye on a few different ones on their site that I want to try on and just see what one's actually comfortable because I want to dance. Are you going to go for a heel? Yeah, I will go for a heel, but not a silly high heel because I will fall over. <laughs> I've got to get down some stairs as part of the oh, no. entrance. Yeah. <laughs> Is there width for you to kind of be arm in arm? Yeah, yeah. So you've got a support system on the stairs. My dad will Pretty be a sure. crutch, yeah. <laughs> Chrissy, what are you excited about this week? So last time I was on the podcast, I explained about my love for suits um, with Meghan Markle in. And I am now up to date. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> which means I can leave the house. So I am going on a triple date. First Ooh. time for everything. Yeah. Okay. On Saturday night. Um, which should Harry and Meghan. Oh, my God. I wish. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Find out about what's happening in suits. <laughs> well, you are um, going to a wedding on the day of their wedding, I aren't am. you, Chrissy? I am. Suspicious. You know, <laughs> it's in Barbados. Let's clear that up. So it's definitely wow. not. The or, or is that just your cover story? I would definitely <laughs> tell you, Bethan. I couldn't keep it away from Bethan. Um, but yes, a triple date, which should be fun. What does one wear on a triple date? That is a very good question. Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will be jeans, to be fair. Um, I might do jeans and like a heeled ankle boot, a nice blouse. Yeah. Fabulous. Mm. We'll see. I'll keep you updated. What are you excited about, Charlie? So I'm moving house in a couple of weeks and I have been spending all of my free time clearing out my wardrobe and selling everything I own on Vestia and eBay. And I've got to say, it's very cathartic. I'm really enjoying the process. I'm clearing out my wardrobe, getting rid of all these pieces that I've, you know, are a bit small for me or never really suited me in the first place or were a terrible colour on me and I wore them once. And it is so freeing 
I've been coming in every every day this week she with has. A, a tote bag full of kind of recycled envelopes that I'm kind of sending these things off in. And my house is just clearing up. Everyone get on it. It's a really nice kind of, well, I suppose I am spring cleaning. It's the perfect time of year. And have you found it difficult to make the decision or have you been quite cutthroat? I think I've been quite cutthroat. You have to be in the right mood, don't you, for for get clearing out your wardrobe because sometimes if I'm feeling a bit nostalgic, I'll put things on and be like, oh, I had a lovely date in this dress and, you know, all of that kind of, oh, I remember when I was young and thin and I wore, you know. <laughs> and then actually sometimes you look at your wardrobe and you're like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to be that size again or want to wear a skirt that short again and why am I holding on to these things? Don't be too cutthroat though or you'll have nothing left. Oh, we're not in danger of that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Things are starting to emerge from the back that I'd forgotten I had. It's like old friends. Well, that's us. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.